Hello and welcome to Behind the Bearcat. This is the podcast where the Northwest Missouri State University Career Services Department chats with Northwest alumni, faculty, staff, students, and friends about their career journeys, how they got to where they are, and how they became Bearcats. I'm Northwest Internship Coordinator Travis Klein. And I'm Hannah Christian, the Assistant Director of Career Services. And today we are joined by Jesse Reed, who is a career ambassador with Career Services, the president of the Cyber Defense Club, and a member of the Speaking Bearcats Forensics team. Welcome, Jesse. Hi, thanks for having me. Ha-ha, we got you in the studio. All right, I'm super excited about this interview, Jesse. Same. <laughs> it's exciting. So, usually I start with, as a student, how did you find Northwest get to Northwest? What made you come to Northwest? Okay, that's a weird story. But for just the Northwest portion of that, basically, because uh, my dad works with a uh, company, Blue Cross Blue Shield, and he was like, we get lots of people hired from Northwest. They have a really good comp side program. So like, let's go check it out. So we came and uh, the first thought I had was because uh, Dr. Spradlin gave the tour. Um, well, she really reminded me of my high school teacher for web design and stuff like that. And I felt the passion was there. So I was like, this place seems pretty cool so far. And then compared to like my other choices, it was just more financially affordable uh, for the opportunity it provided. So I was like, I'll go with that. So you wanted to do cyber, you wanted to do computer science right out of the gate? Uh, sort of. So in high school, I bounced back and forth between English and computer science. Uh, for a while, I wanted to go into the publishing industry to do content editing and then copy editing. But then ultimately I was like, well, if I go to Northwest, I probably should do computer science because I enjoy that as well and it's probably going to land me in better places than getting an English major and the publishing industry is just kind of hard to get into unless you're in New York City or Boston while studying so so when did you get your first computer when did I get my first computer <laughs> I remember having a, a like really old desktop maybe mm, before I was 10 but I only had puzzles on it that my grandma would send my dad and so I could do like the digital puzzles and it was very satisfying watching them click together but I didn't really get my first own computer I until like after I graduated middle school my dad got me like a like really like small like Microsoft Surface laptop for like high school and then after high school my like graduation gift was the money to build a computer oh that's cool so you built your own computer so yeah. the computer you use now is you built it yeah so tell us for all those <laughs> who might be listening who want to hear about building computers what your specially built computer is what my specially built computer is i don't know all the part names off the top of my head but it's pretty run-of-the-mill it's got uh i don't know how technical it is. it's got 16 gigs of ram decent cpu it's a hexa-core so there's six cores running in it and then it's got a 1060 graphics card it's pretty well built to to do decent you know high-end gaming as well as like if i wanted to go into like video editing for some real like silly reason i could do that as well the next step is at some point I want to build my own keyboard, uh, but we'll get there because that's a little more expensive. <laughs> All right, so let's back up and talk about did what was your first job my ever first in your job. life? Like, okay, and also it had to be paid, and <laughs> also your parents were not paying you to do it. Okay, it would probably be my job on campus with the newspaper. Then I think it's my true first official job. So how did you? What was that? And how did you find it? Yeah, so I served on the newspaper for a semester doing reporting as just an A&E reporter, and then I did a semester as opinion section editor. And the way I sort of got involved with it is 
I remember on like a tour day at some point, I think maybe during SOAR or something, I talked to the radio people and I was kind of interested in that, but I never ended up getting involved with that till later. Um, but I was picking up the newspapers from Sit Media Day, which you should do because content is good and you should keep <laughs> up with Northwest stuff. Um, and one day I like grabbed it and then I came back a minute later. And I was like, how do I get involved with like copy editing? And they looked at me and they're like, did we hear you, Gregsley? Like no one just comes to us to <laughs> copy edit. I was like, well, I'm interested. And so they brought me in and I kind of shadowed for a semester under Abby Hugo, uh, helping her copy edit. And then I started writing a little bit and it sort of took off from there. So you got to use those English skills of the yeah, other major you were thinking about. Exactly. For a little bit, I was kind of using that as maybe a backup so I could go into the copy editing if I wanted to, just because it was kind of fun. It also kind of works for like technical writing with computer science, but I ended up moving away from journalism just because I kind of realized deadline journalism wasn't for me. I preferred to have a little more time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a quick turnaround, right? Yeah. Talk to me about uh, speaking Bearcats. How did you get involved in that? Yeah, so I showed up for forensics. It starts in high school because I did not do debate my freshman year, which was one of my biggest regrets probably from high school. But I had one of my friends who's in it and they're like, yeah, this is pretty fun. You should check it out. And so I think I skipped Spanish class one day because we had a sub and like it, it's like everyone's <laughs> high school Spanish class. It's not really a real class. Uh, and I went down to uh, watch uh, like some people preparing for forensics. And I was like, this environment feels fun. So then I got involved with Model United Nations because the coach for forensics also was like the leader of that or whatever. And then sophomore year, I ended up taking debate and I did that all through high school. So I'm really big debater. All right on the like speaking individual stuff. And then so when I came here, uh, Brian Swaff, so he had his first uh, meeting for the semester my freshman year. And I was talking to my roommate. And I was like, I don't know. Like, should I go? Because it might be fun, but also I don't know if I want to go because I prefer more debate. And he's like, just do it. And so I did it, and then the people were cool. And so I stuck with them <laughs> uh, since then. So what um, are they called? What what events do you participate in with them? Um, specifically, I do um, extemporaneous speaking, uh, impromptu public forum debate. And then one day... I have a dream that I'll get an informative speech out. And I'm sure Swaff would like me to get the informative <laughs> speech out. But for some reason, me and platform speeches just don't get along well. But basically, extemp uh, speaking is you're given three questions and you pick a question out of those three. And it's normally a political question, whether it's about a foreign country or our local issues here in the US. And you have 30 minutes to prep a speech on that, practice it, and then just kind of go up and give the speech. Uh, so it, it's kind of stressful, but it's, it's fun. And there's a formula to make it easier. Impromptu is similar, but you're just kind of given a random quote and everyone gets the same quote. Uh, and then you have seven minutes to divide across prep and then actually performing. Uh, and you can divide it wherever you want. But we normally shoot for about a minute 30 sitting there prepping and you're writing on your note card in front of everyone. So it's kind of weird at first, but then you use that other uh, remaining time to actually give the speech. Um, talk so, about Blade Runner a lot for it. <laughs> <laughs> In extemporaneous, how long is your actual speech versus the prep time? Yeah, so, like, so it's a seven minute speech uh, wow. for that 30 minutes of prep. Um, I don't know if anyone's ever tried to give a seven minute speech, but sometimes that seems like a very long time. <laughs> It, it goes by pretty quickly because you, you, we get a little note card, mainly so we don't make up our sources on the fly because that's not pretty cool. Um, but we kind of break it down to uh, an intro, a conclusion, and then three sort of points between with like an A and a B on each point. And so you kind of run into a problem sometimes where you go over time because you get so in-depth in the analysis. So for me, at least a lot, I have to actually like sort of break myself, pull myself back 
include less content and then slow down so I don't go light speed. Mm. Do you think speaking quickly, like speaking too fast in, in being on debate team, mm-hmm. being in the classes and seeing things, is that something that's pretty common? Um, just speaking quickly or, t- or talking fast? I know Jill, boy, <laughs> she can sometimes just roll it out and I'm just like, whoa, right. Nelly. I don't think it's super common for everyone. For me, uh, high school debate, which then turns into college policy debate, if you don't do public forum and stuff, it's really weird and the ideas kind of just shotgun them with a bunch of arguments and then go for what they don't have time <laughs> to answer. As it's kind of evolved into this, like, sp- they call it spreading or like this sp- like sprint reading uh, where you just talk literally as fast as you can and the judges are used to it because they did it at some point. And so that's kind of bled over a little bit into just normal conversation stuff. So I have to remind myself, slow down. Uh, but for some people, like our other platform speakers, they're normally pretty slow and, and precise with their punctuation and stuff. That's fascinating. Huh. <laughs> it's All weird. those little nuances that you never knew about. And you've been really successful too. I mean, you've had national competitions. Yeah. Talk to us about your successes, Jesse. <laughs> um, well, so uh, on a tournament to tournament basis, uh, I normally break an impromptu or extemper, sometimes both. I. And whenever you break, it's the top six people break and they go to finals. So you know for sure you're at least top six. And normally an extemp tournament has around four or five rooms of six, so 30, 25 to 30-ish people, something like that. And I'm really good at placing fourth uh, for extemp. <laughs> um, but then we also have a, a tournament. I'm hoping to get past fourth eventually. But we also have a tournament called PCSDL, which is one of our national tournaments, uh, where we just kind of do a bunch of fun events. And I can't remember everything, but I... I well enough, I guess, to get some national championships there. Um, specifically, the two I can remember off the top of my head are Picha Kucha and Humorous Political Commentary. And so Picha Kucha is kind of based off the Japanese PowerPoint style where it's, I think it's 20 slides that are 20 seconds each. So it's like six minutes, 40 seconds, probably wrong math there. Um, and it just auto rotates. And so I did it on layer tennis, which is just Photoshop tennis where you bounce back and forth photos and you edit them and add a layer. And so I was able to get first with that. And then I also did a humorous political commentary, which is like become John Oliver for five minutes, basically, or like Jimmy Fallon, whoever, you know, you watch. And then whoever you want to channel your humorous. And so you you talk about whatever topic. And so I was back when the election was really starting to get started and candidates were announcing themselves. And so uh, you have, you know, you have the A candidates and you have the sort of you have the candidates you know you're going to actually make it and actually matter, and then you have sort of that B team slash C team. And so I was just kind of poking fun at them and going, like, you're kind of interesting, but realistically, like, no. <laughs> you're also president of the Cyber Defense Club on campus. So yeah. what, what does that group do for folks who may not be aware? So it's a very, very niche club. Uh, but <laughs> hypothetically, our goal is to, to teach our students who come. And you can be a cybersecurity comsci major. You can be whoever you want, really. We try can to I br- join the Cyber Defense Club? If you want to, yeah. We try to break things down really simply so we're not just like, you know, talking in complete jargon. We try to explain everything because we have freshmen who come in and haven't even had network fundamentals. So if I'm like, hey, do the thing with the port and the firewall and blah, 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 they're like, huh? <laughs> uh, but basically, we, we sort of do a lecture type thing where every week we'll basically someone will ask a question. They'll go, I want to know the answer to this or how to do this. And then they go down the rabbit hole, they figure it out, and then they come back to us. They do like a 30 minute talk on it, basically, kind of like a mini TED talk, I guess. Um, and then we'll sometimes set up a lab to go with it so students can actually practice what they saw there and just sort of learn these different areas of cybersecurity that 
I kind of like to think of it like we give you the toolbox uh, to go with the theory you learn in the classroom, I guess. That's a cool way of looking at it. Yeah. Do you guys have competitions for Cyber Defense Club as well? Yeah. So every semester we do NCL or the National Cyber League, which is kind of an interesting competition. It's entirely remote, so you can do it from home or wherever, and it's hosted on their website. And they basically have a wide variety of categories from like password cracking to reverse engineering or whatever it may be. And uh, we sign up for it individually and they have basically it's three parts. They have like a preseason where you basically are placed through that based on how you do to like bronze, gold or silver. Um, and then there's the individual game, which is like a weekend long. And so people participate individually. And then we have the team game so we can get into teams of seven. So we'll list past semester, we basically had enough people from the club that we had two teams of roughly seven and then you just compete and there's a leaderboard and you see how you do and then so in the competition mm -hmm. when you say you compete what are you actually doing to compete sure so we call it capture the flag uh but you're not running across the field in gym shorts <laughs> uh instead basically if uh i was doing password cracking that section for example they would give me a question, the resources I need for the question sort of, and then say, what is the flag or what's the answer? So if I'm given you know, this encrypted password and I figure out how to crack it on my own and that plain text password, so like password one, two, three, four, that's mm -hmm. the flag. And so I submit that and it tells me if I got it right or wrong. If I get it right, I get points. And then every time I get it wrong, my accuracy goes down. And so you also wanna worry about your accuracy Another example is if you're reverse engineering a program and it's like, hey, here's a, a, a snippet of code. What is a valid variable to make it pass, for example? You figure out that variable and then that's the flag, if you will. So the answer. Yeah. Capture the yeah. answer, right? Pretty much. And so, the is that the, so that's the same for individual and then teams? Do you go through the ranking process in the preseason with your team as well? Um, so the way the team placement uh, is decided for like bracket is it's just an average, I think, of the actual members. So if you're mainly gold team members and like one silver, you're probably going to be placed as gold. And it, it's interesting because the way they break it down on the scoreboard is despite your bracket, I guess is the term, you're still able to see how you compare to everyone else. So hypothetically, if you're in bronze, you could still become first overall, but it also just shows you on a breakdown how you are against other people around the same skill level as you. So it has like multiple scoreboards. So the idea is like to use those kind of white hat hacking skills to then yeah. to make the system stronger when you're a professional, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty much. So the NCL, uh, it's more of an offensive based one where we there's some questions like, log outs and stuff that you definitely use when you're defending uh, you know like a company or something but in general also focuses more on the like penetration testing stuff or like testing your defenses we're also doing the site the collegiate cyber defense club which is more on what we call the blue team side where it's purely defending and so that's actually happening next week um and we have a team of eight put together and basically we're that, uh, given a virtual environment with like so many machines and so many services we have to keep up and running and the old IT team sucked so they're fired we're the new team and we're having to basically secure this network make sure it's running smoothly like butter and and we have to deal with what they call injects where they'll say hey we need a new password policy so kind of like your boss asking for something and we have to reply to those and do what they tell us to do while also uh, defending because they hire, I think last year they had maybe two or three professional penetration test teams um, who are actually going after each blue team and trying to find ways into their network and, and hack them. So it's a very intense uh, situation. 
So like the one who hangs in there the longest wins, right? Like, are you, yeah. are you based on time? Are you based on like point system? There so well? it's a set time limit. I think it's like 10 to five is when it takes place. And um, basically we have certain services we have to keep running or our SLAs uh, and sort of you get points for every time they check to see if they're up. So they'll do maybe a check every 30 minutes um, and you lose points if they aren't up. Uh, and also if like any of your data is stolen or anything like that. And so you're technically in it till the end. It's just, you might be in it with like four popped tires and like a muffler that's fallen and off. And there's smoke <laughs> coming out from under the hood. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that sounds like, you know, the ultimate PBL. Like that's, <laughs> right? that's how you learn how to do it is by doing it under intense pressure. So yeah, definitely. It's good for teamwork because yeah. it's really easy to get frustrated with each other. So we're, we're also this year trying to focus on making sure that we have a good communication system and we, we're kind of, we've established someone as sort of like a project manager, if you will, uh, to be like, hey, I really need you to do this right now. What do you need? That way we're not just like kind Scrambling, of- Scrambling. Yeah. Right? <laughs> we're, we're trying to go in more with a game plan because last year was really kind of the first year we've truly done it. I think we did it a year before that, but it was like, or like before that, but it was like five or six years ago. It was a while ago. Uh, and so we're going into it with more of a game plan this time and we've really been laying out like, okay, so like during the first hour, what are you going to be doing on your machine and stuff like that? A little bit of a strategy, right? Yeah, I, I think. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> You're also the first career ambassador that we've had on the podcast. So oh, congratulations. Cool. Yeah. So can wow. you tell, Thanks. you know, folks out there, that's a, a small group of, of students, what you actually do as a CA. Yeah. So kind of my job is to help other students get jobs. Uh, so we, we help doing the, we'd help do the resume critiques and cover letter critiques and stuff in the office, but we also help do job searches for students and explain that process to them and sort of bridge that medium of you don't just have like a teacher going, you need to get an internship, here's how we can kind of maybe relate to them more on that one-on-one -on -one level. Um, but we'll also like go out and do presentations or even help present to, to touring groups of, of potential students and just kind of help run events and stuff like that. Just kind of to show students like, hey, it's not too hard to do this stuff. Just come talk to us and we'll help you out. A little bit of an approachability factor. Yeah, um, I think so. What made you want to be a career ambassador? Well, <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually kind of interesting. I think I did what every freshman kind of did coming into college where I shotgunned the HR job postings board. <laughs> but specifically with the career ambassador job, uh, I was really determined to get this job because I just got done applying for a job in the international uh, student office or whatever in the library. And the interview went really, really well. I felt really confident. And then I realized I probably should be honest because uh, whoever I was interviewing with, she said like, hey, we're gonna want so many hours of you. And I was like, well, I might end up being an RA, not an RA, but it was a possibility because I was applying for that. And she's like, ah, well, you wouldn't be able to get enough time that way. And I was like, okay, yeah, no worries. But this office is really flexible with that. So it was worked out well, but also just looking at like the description and stuff is really presentation based and I was like well I present like every weekend and it comes pretty naturally to me so why not and then also the fact that I mean working in the career services office probably means you're gonna have a better career yourself because you get all <laughs> that sort of professional <laughs> development day in day out so that's yeah. true you have a lot of access with employers um, mm -hmm. you know they they kind of come in the office when they're in they can see you sitting there doing the professional work, right? The mm -hmm. professional level things. I think one aspect that you overlooked that you were really good at because of your preparation was that research aspect, mm -hmm. right? So researching what is this job required because mm -hmm. 
if you remember, Jesse, what did we make you do in that first interview? Do you remember that? I thought that interview went so poorly. <laughs> I did not think I was going to get a call from Jill. Uh, but you guys had us do this group sort of uh, task, if you will, where Jill was looking for a job. <laughs> and we had to find her a job. And it was very nerve-wracking, uh, mainly because Joe Zu- I never know. Sukhan. Sukhan. Yeah. He was awesome in that interview. And the only thing I knew about Joe is he gave my sore tour. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, I am dead meat. This guy is so much better than me. And he had found a job like that, like immediately. And then Carson was also there and she found one pretty quickly. I was just sitting there scrambling like, oh my God, I'm the only one who doesn't have anything. But it, it was good because it kind of helped us prepare for like, like seeing like how well can you quickly find an answer to something yeah so i think that research skill right of if you're doing even if it's quick research for speech Mm -hmm. if you're doing research for something else like really finding a job is a lot about research right if you do the backside research you're gonna you're gonna have a little bit more um i don't want to say easy go of it i don't want to throw that out there but um the more preparation you do the better you're prepared Mm -hmm. (laughs) right Mm -hmm. that's just like anything else what you put in is what you get out so one of my favorite stories Travis tells is like, how did you get to be the internship coordinator? He's like, I didn't know what that job did. So I did a lot of research. I was like, well, there you go. Right. Yeah. It makes a difference. And I, I never had an internship as a student because I worked in radio part time. So it's, right. I get to do that. Do as I say, not as I do. Like if I could go back, I would do what I'm telling you all to do. So. And I know yeah. you've had some intern or an internship or some internships. Can you talk about that? Yeah, for sure. So uh, over this past summer, I interned on the information security team. Uh, there's like so many different names for cybersecurity stuff, but I helped get to do that stuff basically with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Kansas. So everyone I think kind of knows what Blue Cross Blue Shield is. They're a health insurance company. And so I just kind of got to see how their process works, which is nice because they're a fairly large company and sort of help put my, my foot in the door and say, what do you need done? And so they tasked me with basically helping find them a new tool for password management. And so that's where I spent a lot of my summer as well as just helping patch machines and go, hey, you're vulnerable, we need to take care of that. And then I also interned with them over this past winter break where I kind of got to play like musical chairs. So everyone was going on vacation and stuff. So basically blank and play was gone. I'm gonna go fill in their spot and do like their day-to-day job, uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's amazing. <laughs> like you're and like a substitute. so nice for the company that they yeah, have right? someone in that spot. <laughs> yeah, then maybe we'll take that job someday. So yeah, that's that's cool. What yeah. are you looking for for internships in the future or coming up this summer or next? Yeah, for sure. So this coming summer, I think I'm gonna intern with Blue Cross again, just because it's a good you know it's a good experience, and I have that lined up already. And maybe I'll intern with them more in the future. I think my my stretch goal is to maybe find an internship with somewhere that's a little more bleeding edge, I guess, because Blue Cross is very up to date and everything. It's just, they're very secure. And they also, through that secureness, there's not a lot to do from that perspective, other than just keep things running. But also they don't do a lot of testing against themselves. They mainly outsource that because it's just easier to do that, right. especially if you don't have a big dedicated team to the, to do that testing, which they don't. So I'm hoping to maybe find an internship somewhere possibly that does a little more of that internal testing so I can get uh, a perspective from both ends. The dream would be if I somehow found a research institution that did, does like vulnerability research. So discovering zero days or, or you know exploitable code and stuff in programs before it's actually found and then publishing that research and then going, here's a solution. 
but the only downside is they don't really take people <laughs> in quite <laughs> quite easily like that at least so far maybe i'm missing something what schools are there any programs you're thinking of uh schools so places more like actually I, I say institution in that you mean like, like institute right yeah you mean like the research institute of whatever yeah, yeah like they have specific vulnerability researching labs i can't think of any like names off the top of my head but it's where like literally all they do every day is they just throw stuff at the wall and see what breaks basically mm-hmm. and so kind of like career fun. services yeah <laughs> <laughs> so one thing we've been asking students who've come on is advice for other students you know you've been a successful college student you're very involved you've got you've had pretty cool on-campus jobs. So how does somebody who's maybe just starting out, you know, what advice would you give them Mm -hmm. to be successful in this whole whirlwind? Yeah. So I think the, I don't know, it's a a weird question. Like it's a good question. I'm trying to think how to construct it. I think the first thing is like, obviously you don't want to give up because like I applied to a lot of like on-campus jobs before I even got to newspaper work career services as a career ambassador and I remember thinking like oh I, I, I need to apply to everything I'm not going to get offers unless I'm literally trying my best I like at one point I saw they had like a farmhand job <laughs> position open I was like did you apply for that so I was going <laughs> to because I was like I, I probably should because if I don't get a job then I'm it's still a job whether I like it or not but luckily it requires you have an ag major <laughs> so I got I got saved um, <laughs> but definitely keep applying don't give up even if things don't seem to go your way probably come to career services just because, you know, we can explain how that process works and we can give you interviewing experience and help make sure your resume is going to land you those interviews. But also uh, to, to not like, I think you also just want to make sure you're still having fun with it and you're not getting too stressed out because something's always going to show up. I mean, Lori always talks about it at the front desk, like if you apply to a job and even if you get an interview and you don't get it, like whatever, like your life still goes on and you're probably going to find something else that's just as cool, if not better. So just kind of go with it. But also just in general for like, I think freshmen, uh, my first semester freshman year was kind of rough because I was like trying to put my fingers into everything. So I think everyone says get really involved, but I think you want to get involved in things that you want to get involved in. Don't just get involved for the sake of getting involved. Otherwise you just really spread yourself out thin and then you're behind on homework. You're not really finding any internships and you're also just not having a good time. And then also just like start right away if you want to. I mean, anyone can have an internship. Like my internship kind of snuck up on me freshman year. Originally I was going to uh, work out, uh, helping out at a racetrack for like minimum wage. <laughs> so I was like, I mean, I need a job over summer, so. I think that's a key thing that we often hear and Travis can probably verify this, but I can't have an internship because I, I'm a freshman or I, I'm not looking for one because I'm just a freshman. What do you think about that? Obviously you had one, right? Yeah. Right after your freshman year of college. So I think it's kind of, part of that is anyone can get an internship. You just have to be appealing enough to the company and, and present what you can help them. But also just like networking was really helpful. I mean, you need to reach out. I saw an interesting thing on LinkedIn actually, uh, where like, I think it was a CEO posted it where they were like, I always tell like, or they were like, I always tell my kids as they're growing up when you're like, a kindergartner, you could reach the president with a letter and they'll probably reply. As you get older to like middle school, you could probably reach like a CEO of a company and maybe get some feedback. But as you get older and older, people are less inclined to help because it's less like impressive to reach out. So a freshman reaching out is kind of a little more impressive, right? Than a senior going, I need a job right now. And so it's just impressive to see people take that initiative. And I think 
doing that as a freshman is really helpful because reaching out to those companies, even if they don't offer you anything and just going, hey, what are you looking for? What should I be doing is gonna just help you out. That's a good perspective. I don't think we hear that enough from students. I think that's really, really good perspective. Yeah, I think that not being afraid to swing is a huge, like, yeah. miss 100% of the pitches you don't swing at, you know, for a terrible baseball analogy, but it, it's true. I mean, if you never try, you'll never get anything, so don't be afraid to try. I got one last question for you. I've got one last answer. Awesome. You might have to take your 90 seconds to write on your little note card. Just gonna, right? <laughs> what does it mean to you to be a bear cat? Uh, okay. Um, what does it mean to me to be a bear cat? I think being a bear cat just means, you know, taking all the opportunities you can take, getting involved and helping each other out. I think one cool thing about this campus is I don't really ever see people intentionally antagonizing each other or not helping people out. I mean, everyone's very welcoming. I think I was hanging out with a friend one day and I ended up in like the student senate office despite never being involved in student senate and no one was like, hey, you need to get out. Like you don't belong <laughs> here. So I think it's just being really welcoming and inviting, helpful. And also just trying to get as like, you know, seize all the opportunities that are sent your way. I think we're really good as Bearcats and as Northwest, um, you know, making the most of those career opportunities and sending those around to each other and making sure everyone's successful, not kind of leaving others out while you sort of race to the top. All right. Thank you, Jesse. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. All right. Well, that will do it for another Behind the Bearcat, and we will talk to you next time. <laughs>